Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, alongside you here on Monday, May 3rd, as the Cardinals are on a little bit of a roll right now, folks. The Cardinals now have won five straight games as they got it done tonight against the Mets down at Bush Stadium by a score of 6-5. to five. And this was a game that had a lot of offensive action early and then really settled in over the course of the final six innings or so as the Cardinals and Mets traded blows, went back and forth at the beginning of this game, and it was the big third inning for the Cardinals that ended up to be the difference. Not the best outing of Adam Wainwright's season. He was on the bump for the Cardinals, and early on in this thing, Wainwright gets into some trouble as he allows a Pete Alonzo double to lead off the top of the second inning. This was kind of blooped into right field, but it was down the line, and Dylan Carlson was shifted towards center, so really nothing he could do about it. Actually made a pretty good throw to second base to try to get Alonzo there. Not in time, wasn't going to happen. And then a little bit of a mistake, I think, by Harrison Bader on the next batter that reached base, which was Kevin Pillar, gets a base hit to center. Bader does a good job of charging this ball, getting ready to potentially throw home to get Pete Alonzo there, but Alonzo knew better. He wasn't running. But the throw by Bader is sailed toward home anyway, too high in the air for anybody to cut it off, which allowed Pilar to reach second base, and so now you've got second and third with just one out in the inning. And this is where they get into a little bit of a managerial decision that comes back to bite the Cardinals, at least for a little while. As Mike Schilt elects to walk the seven-hole guy, Jonathan VR to load the bases. With one out, you would then be facing Tom- Tomas Nito, pardon me, whose batting average for the season was 100, hasn't had a lot of offensive success to that point, and then Joey Lucchese would be the pitcher on deck. So you figure, load the bases because you're not worried about what Nito or Lucchese might do to you and get out of the jam with no damage done. Okay, that's a great theory unless unless Adam Wainwright hits the next batter on the first pitch, and that's exactly what he did to Tomas Nito, so he hits the guy on the first pitch, allows a run to score. They do strike out Lucchese, but now you've got to face the top of the order. Got to be a little bit more careful with Jeff Jeff McNeil than you would Lucchese, and McNeil walks. So Wainwright hits a batter to score a run and walks in a run. Two very uncharacteristic elements of his outing tonight as the Mets get a couple of runs there in the second. Harrison Bader, good to see from him as he Gets the Cardinals back into it there in the bottom of the second inning with his second home run of the season. This was an absolute bomb, folks, to left field. Cleared the visiting bullpen. I had somebody on Twitter tell me it was eight rows up upon watching the replay. I thought it might have even gotten to the concourse. I know it got pretty close. Total bomb by Bader, 109.4 off the bat. As I said, estimated 450 feet in total distance. And so that got things tied up for the Cardinals 2-2. to Kind of glossed over it, but... 
they scored their first run of the game. Tommy Edmond just keeps doing things at the top of the order. He led things off with a triple and then a nice piece of situational hitting by Dylan Carlson to quickly score Tommy Edmond at the bottom of the first inning. But then as you get into the third, Wainwright runs into a little bit more trouble as the Cardinals, look, they tied it up for him. It wasn't what you wanted to see there in the top of the inning, but the Cardinals get that run back with Harrison Bader. But then more uncharacteristic elements for Wainwright walks the leadoff man and the next inning gives up a double to Pete Alonzo, who had a nice game for the Mets. And then later on in the inning, it's a home run by Kevin Pillar on an 0-2 pitch, something else you just don't very often see from Adam Wainwright. And so that was kind of the story of his outing where you say, well, goodness, you're in the third inning. You've given up five runs. Is the bullpen going to start to get hot? What's it going to What's it going to look like? But ultimately, that's the last run Wainwright allowed, and he ends up pitching into the sixth, going five and two-thirds in this game, giving up the five runs. That's not the kind of outing you want, but it ends up being pretty important that Wainwright is able to settle in over the fourth, the fifth, and then pitch his way into the sixth, recording a couple of outs there to allow the Cardinals' bullpen to have a more manageable task at hand once they get into the game. And let's not forget the offense, making sure that this ends up going down as Wainwright's first win of the season because he was 0-3 entering this game, had a 4.08 ERA as well. You thought maybe he could improve upon that. That part didn't happen. Wainwright rose the ERA from 4.08 to 4.72 because of the five earned runs in 5.2 innings pitched. Three walks, seven hits tonight. Just, once again, very uncharacteristic outing by Wainwright. We'll talk a little bit about why that might have been as if you recall, he was on the COVID-related injured list. He shared some more information about behind the scenes, what was going on and the circumstances surrounding that. We might play a clip from Wayne Wright for you here in just a couple of minutes after we get done discussing how the Cardinals managed to come back and win this game. And look, in the bottom of the third inning, plenty of baseball left to be played. It's 5-2, to two, you're trailing. And the Cardinals just get something started basically out of thin air right there because you had two outs in the inning before really gaining any traction whatsoever. And it was a good at-bat by Dylan Carlson that allowed things to get started in that inning as he gets a base hit and then Goldschmidt with a base hit as well to advance Dylan Carlson to third. Goldie does it on the first pitch. And so suddenly you're in a two-strike count as Dylan Carlson was. He finds a way to battle back into a two-and-two count gets the base knock, Goldschmidt follows it up, and suddenly you've got Arenado, you've got him right where you want him, and Arenado has the at-bat of the game, homering into the visiting bullpen for his fifth homer of the season. And the way that came to be was pretty spectacular as well because it looked like, for a moment, the inning was over. As Arenado swung over the top of a pitch by Lou Casey, appeared to be a strikeout. Thought that that was it. Lucchese was halfway to the dugout after walking off the mound after the pitch. But Arenado pleaded his case with the home plate umpire, Mark Carlson, said, I tipped that, I got a piece of that. And after the game, Arenado said he's glad he heard it, the umpire, because he he knew he probably couldn't have seen it. But evidently he heard it, and Arenado seemed to believe the catcher as well was aware that he might have gotten a piece of it. Looking at the video, I'm not so sure, but that's obviously, you know, you can look at it frame by frame and try to see where the bat may have touched it. But nevertheless, they ruled it 
as a foul tip, and so the at-bat continued. The next pitch was absolutely hammered, but he turned on it, yanked it foul down the left field line. It hit off the facade of the second deck. I don't know that they would show the exit velocity on a foul ball. I don't think StatCast puts that up, but it had to have been something special because I was like, man, Arenado is right on this guy. And sure enough, the next pitch launches it into the bullpen, 5-5 game, new ball game, clean slate, and a curtain call for Nolan Arenado, his second of the season coming at Bush Stadium. Cool to see the fans there continuing to recognize these special moments for the Cardinals. And I saw somebody again tonight say, I wonder if the, the curtain calls are getting a little out of hand, if the you got to kind of dial it back there at Bush Stadium. It seems like every big moment is getting one over the last couple of weeks. But honestly, I don't seem to mind it. I think it's fine. I think you have to consider that fans are happy to be back at the ballpark, something they didn't get to to have in 2020. And there have been some exciting moments put together by this Cardinals team over the month of April and now bleeding into the early part of May. And so the fact that they want to show recognition for that, I don't think it decreases from the moment or takes away from you know the meaning of a curtain call. I think people are just enjoying rooting on their Cardinals down at Bush. And right now, anyway, the team is giving uh, the, their fans uh, some reasons to celebrate. So Arenado was hyped up, of course, about that one. But then what was so impressive is you talk about the home run as a rally killer. That wasn't the case. It's almost like they fed off the buzz of the curtain call of the moment for Arenado and continued to get it done with Paul DeYoung then almost got all of a fly ball to right center field. He went oppo taco and couldn't quite get it out, but it hit off the wall for a double, and then Tyler O'Neill drives him in with a nice rip to left center field. And that was it for Lucchese. I said, after the, the DeYoung double, I said, this they got to get this pitcher out of there because, you know, there are games where the Cardinals just seems like they can't handle or can't seem to solve uh, a lefty who doesn't throw particularly hard and those kind of guys can shut the Cardinals down. But there are other days where when they've got you figured out and they've got your number, the offense just simply is not going to let up. And it became clear in that third inning that was going to be the case until they took Lucchese out of the game. And they did it one batter too late because O'Neill gets credit for a double, which was a routine. It was hard hit, but it was a routine single for anybody else. And O'Neill basically just decided he was going to make second. It's like, the fielder wasn't throwing home because DeYoung was going to score pretty easily. But it's almost as if it looked like in the moment O'Neill had anticipated the throw would maybe go home, try to catch him napping. Didn't happen that way. The throw went right where it should have to second base. O'Neill just beat it there. So he gets credit for a double and does that on the first pitch. So an, a nice job and a continuation of what has been a really strong showing of late for Tyler O'Neill after you know a little bit of a slow start that he got off to. Um, following a really strong spring training, and then he gets himself into a situation uh, where he's got the the groin pull, and he's out for a little while. He comes back. Ever since he's returned, he's looked pretty good. Uh, That was his only hit tonight, but it was a big one as it was the go-ahead run for the Cardinals, and he raises his OPS to 827 for the season, batting 269. You'll take all of those numbers for Tyler O'Neill. A really strong showing for him. As of late, and now that you've got Harrison Bader back in there, we mentioned his home run. Cardinals outfield really starting to round into form, basically being what you expected when the Cardinals traded away Dexter Fowler. And we said, hey, they've got these young guys. They want to see what they can do. It's kind of a now-or-never scenario. 
If a couple from this group don't pan out, look, you've got some money coming off the books after 2021. Maybe they can make a move, make an addition uh, via free agency at that point, or maybe a trade before then, later this summer, if you end up needing to go that route. And it could be with a guy who has a contract because after this season, you are going to have a little bit more flexibility based on some money coming off the books. If this is your outfield and they're all performing like this and they're healthy, Carlson, O'Neill, Bader, I don't think you're going to have to make those kinds of moves. Now, early part of the season when you had some injuries you were dealing with and you had guys like O'Neill getting off to a slow start, you had Bader on the shelf, uh, Carlson took a little bit to get warmed up, but he's been uh, one of the Cardinals' best producers over the last few weeks at this point in time. It was a little bit questionable back then. But it's clear this was the vision the Cardinals had in mind for this outfield. They weren't looking to make any outside additions. They weren't looking to add a veteran. People talked about Brett Gardner and other ridiculous ideas that I just didn't think made any sense at the time because I said, look, if you're going to trade away Dexter Fowler, if you're going to make the moves the Cardinals have made to this point in time with their outfield, I think you're doing so with the idea in mind that you're going to let the young guys that you still have on the roster play and have their chance. By the way, Brett Gardner's got an OPS of 496 so far this year, which, you know, I, I don't want to relish in anybody's failure, but that would not have been a sensible addition for the Cardinals. I'm just saying. I got a lot of pushback on that when I said he's basically Dexter Fowler. Uh, and uh, I know Dexter's out for the year with the ACL, so you can't necessarily have a direct comparison, uh, but not a strong start to the season by Brett Gardner. Uh, who would not have been a fit for the Cardinals. Anyhow, uh, really good job tonight by the Cardinals' bullpen as well. Deserved to give them a little bit of props because they didn't allow a hit over the course of the final three and two-thirds innings that they pitched in this one. A couple of walks by Henesis Cabrera. Not really anything out of the ordinary for him, but he's been able to work around those situations and, and does tonight with a little bit of help from Ryan Helsley, who comes in for him to finish off that seventh inning gets the only batter that he faces in the game. And then Gallegos Reyes, that's kind of the formula as you get to the end of the game. Uh, a little bit of a bumpy showing for Reyes as well, who walked a couple of guys. Granted, in the middle of all that, you had the lights go out at Bush Stadium. If you're watching the game, you probably noticed that happening in the bottom of the ninth inning, where there's two outs in the inning and Reyes is ready to throw a one-strike pitch. Potentially, it could be the last pitch of the game if, if somebody puts it in play for an out. And... The lights go out. Complete pitch darkness for about three or four seconds at Bush. And then it comes right back on, uh, you know, the new fancy lights they have. You don't have to wait for them to get warmed up like it used to be. It reminds me of the, the gymnasium at my grade school. Uh, went to All Saints in St. Peter's, for those who are familiar with the uh, local Catholic schools in St. Charles County. The gymnasium, if you accidentally flipped the lights off, it would take like 15 minutes for them to get back up to full brightness. If you had a game going on or something and somebody accidentally bumped it, you'd be screwed because you really couldn't get that back started until everybody could see again. Fortunately, at Bush Stadium, they've got some advanced technology, and that was not the case, uh, which was my first thought. And then I asked Nolan Arenado if he's ever seen anything like that before. He said, no, pretty bizarre, and uh, thank goodness for LED lights. So he was thinking on the same uh, the same plane as I was about that situation, but really nice effort by the bullpen tonight. Cardinals to get it done offensively. Went pretty quiet throughout the rest of the game uh, following that third inning, but because they got enough done in the early innings and because they held the Mets down the rest of the way, Cardinals come away with their fifth win in a row. Uh, they're really rolling right now. You know, they're finding ways to do it. They, Mike Schultz called it a good team win, 
and he's right because, like I said, you had elements that all kind of meshed together, good timing for the way this game played out, that when you score your last runs in the third inning, you probably don't expect uh, to be coming away with a win, especially when you consider having allowed five runs across those first three innings. Again, uncharacteristic by Wainwright, not what you are used to seeing from him. But let's get into a little bit of the explanation for why that was. And he didn't make it an excuse, but I do think Cardinals fans, uh, you know, knowing that Wainwright is is one of the the genuine good guys in the game, uh, people like to know what's going on. And and the situation with him on the COVID IL put on there on Thursday was away from the team basically uh, beginning Wednesday, I believe, Mike Schilt tracked it back to basically had to be away from the team due to what we figured was a close contact with COVID-19. And as it turned out, his whole family came down with the virus, all five of his kids and his wife, Jenny, as well. And that's all information that Adam shared on his post-game Zoom on Monday night. Uh, it, was, it was a little different. Yeah, it was a little different. Um, you know, and this is uh, this goes out to all the mothers out there because, uh, wow, you know, when you have, especially when you have as many kids as I do, she does so much and, and, and you know that, but you don't know it until you got to do all the stuff, you know, and I was just telling uh, Shilty and Marmol, Marmol that, uh, you know, several times at the end of the night, I, you know, folding laundry and doing my seventh load of laundry and, and uh, where to about all this other stuff. And then all, you know, all of a sudden they're like, dad, we're hungry. And I'm like, it's dinner time. Dang it. And so, you know, you eat stuff. Maybe I wouldn't have eaten before and, and kids were loving it. And, you know, I was out there dragging my behind um, all night. And I'm, I'm sure that played a little bit into it, but uh, there was a time, there was a time that this, this last week that, you know, I went from we got on back from the road and I went so straight to a hotel because all my my whole crew had it. And uh my wife, she texted me at one point and she said, I can't I can't go anymore without you being here. And so I had to go. That's why I had to go home. And uh when my wife says that, she's a tough lady. She's a really tough, really tough girl. And so when she said that, I know I had to go home. And uh yeah, she was. She was she needed me there. So I'm glad I got to help out. But I miss her. Um, she's just an incredible woman. She's an incredible person, incredible wife, incredible mom. And, and, uh, you don't really realize how much they do until you, you got to fill that void. And, and, uh, gosh, you know, just what a blessing she is to me. Wainwright also went on to say that the family's doing okay. None of the kids really had any ill effects from the virus said they're all pretty resilient and it was just his wife that had uh, a tough time with it. But, he said that within the last day or two, she has also turned the corner and is doing much better. And that's good to hear from Wainwright. It was also interesting to hear him talk about he did receive the COVID vaccination along with many of his Cardinals teammates, as the Cardinals, of course, did reach that 85% threshold to allow their team to relax some of the COVID-related restrictions that have been in place since the 2020 season. And there was some speculation previously when Wainwright went on the COVID list as to whether or not he received the vaccine. He did, and basically said tonight that it's a good thing that he did because uh, he was going to have to go home either way. Once he got that text and and realized, and, and basically his wife said, you know, we need you here to be able to take care of things because she was having trouble with, with COVID for herself personally. He said, you know, I would have been there either way, and it just would have been a situation where it would have put me out for 
however long, a couple of weeks, uh, you know, by the time you have to deal with the health and safety protocols and, and make sure you test Nate because he would have been in an environment where he, yeah, he would have been around COVID positives for sure all week, but because he had been vaccinated, uh, the, the protocols allow him to, to return and make his start on Monday, which he did. So a lot going on for him over the course of the last week, to be sure. Good to see that he was able to, to get back to the team in, in timely manner. Good to see that everybody in the family uh, seems to be doing okay now as they uh, work their way back from the virus kind of running through the Wainwright household. So changing gears a little bit, once again, big win for the Cardinals on Monday as they were able to take down the New York Mets 6-5. to But I wanted to backtrack a little bit to talk about the previous game that we haven't had a chance to discuss yet because we didn't do a podcast following Sunday's outing for Carlos Martinez, who looked really, really good once again. And I would be remiss if I didn't talk about that before it gets too far away from us here. But Martinez had his best start of the season, and we keep saying that. Each of his last three starts have been his new best start of the season. Carlos went eight innings, didn't give up a single run, and this time, again, looks pretty similar to his previous quality outings that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, where he only strikes out three batters, so he's not blowing guys away, only walks a couple, so he keeps the walks relatively low and gives up five hits, able to scatter them along with a couple of walks, lowers his ERA to 3.72 for the season. But I just think it's really indicative of what has been a a good mindset and change for Carlos Martinez, where he's turning into like a crafty veteran. This is great to see. He's not the guy that feels that he has to strike everybody out, and then suddenly you look up and he's at 90 pitches trying to get out of the fifth inning. That wasn't the case for Carlos, as he's able to get through eight, Uh, his longest outing of the season for sure, as he just continues to get better and better over the course of his last three outings. It's really positive progression for Martinez, who threw 70 strikes and 100 pitches. That's a great ratio, and he ends up having success because of it, and the Cardinals take down the Pirates with a 3-0 win. We mentioned the positive start to the young campaign for Harrison Bader, who recently over the weekend returned from the injured list, started on the injured list because of the forearm issue. He had uh, an issue and some pain that he felt throwing the ball, and then it started to impact him a little bit as well with his swing, and so he had to miss the beginning, the early part of the season. But he has the three-run homer on Sunday and hits one again today to really put himself in a nice position as he rounds into form for the season. But... Uh, when you have a guy pitch like Carlos did yesterday, you don't end up needing a whole lot of offense. And again, it's just been the timely way the Cardinals have been able to mesh their pitching performances with the offense that they needed. And that's when you've got a team that's in sync. Look, you're not going to score a whole bunch of runs every day. Uh, we talked about previously on Saturday leading into that Sunday start for Carlos Martinez. They were going to be facing Will Crow a guy that you maybe would like to see them be able to to do some damage off of because his previous outing, he had only gone four innings through 81 pitches through those four innings, and so you figured he might be a guy that you could try to get to early. And it seemed as though the Cardinals were doing that with the three-run bomb in the second inning. But from there, Will Crow was able to grit and guile his way through five innings, three runs total, gave up four walks and three hits, and the home run being the only thing that really hurt him in that outing. 
And so you'd think from the offensive perspective, you'd like to see the Cardinals do a little bit more, but they did enough because they get the outing that they got from Carlos Martinez. And then you flash forward again to today, finding a way to just do enough, knowing what the, the pitching is going to give you. It's it's kind of like a mind-reading scenario, but the Cardinals, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right now, the offense is doing what they need to do. And look, six runs, that's a quality output. Again, you'd like to see those consistent at-bats being taken throughout the course of the game and not just in the early going. But when you score in three different innings throughout the course of a game, even if they're the first three, you're going to take that pretty much every time out there. And the Cardinals are just finding ways to get it done right now. 17-12 uh, and 12 is their record. They're definitely knocking on the door of being able to, to take on the Brewers here as they pull into a first-place tie after the Brewers fall 4-3 to three to the Phillies on Monday. Both teams at 17-12. and 12. Talked about the Brewers being chief competition. Now the Cardinals have caught up to them. And, you know, the, the winning streak surely won't go forever, but it's good to see the Cardinals be able to try to put some distance between them and the 500 mark as they continue along in this season. Tomorrow, Tuesday at Busch Stadium, is going to be Johan Oviedo on the mound for St. Louis. Uh, not exactly sure how he's making his way onto the roster yet, but we probably have a pretty good idea, and it comes at the, unfortunately, probably the expense of Jordan Hicks. Now, this isn't something the Cardinals have stated as an official move just yet, but Hicks is having imaging done on Monday. That already took place. Thought we might get some more information about his status after Monday's game. Mike Schilt was not at liberty to discuss in detail the situation surrounding Hicks just yet. Said the imaging came back inconclusive or he wasn't so sure exactly how to describe it. And so he basically passed on the question and said he would get some more information once he got a chance to speak with the medical team about Jordan Hicks. And so I'm sure by tomorrow pregame on Tuesday we'll have more of an update on what it looks like for Hicks. But remember, he was taken out of his last outing uh, over the weekend in Pittsburgh due to uh, inflammation in the Tommy John elbow. They called it arm tightness at first. Not totally the situation you'd like to see for a guy uh, who, who missed all of last season after you figure he would have been about recovered from Tommy John by early in that 2020 campaign. Obviously, he opted out due to the diabetes situation, not wanting to put himself at further risk uh, in the COVID environment. But you don't want to see it now two years removed, essentially, from the Tommy John surgery. He's having trouble in that same area. Cardinals initially said, you know, optimistic that it was just precautionary for him. But, you know, this is always how it starts. And so especially knowing that he's already had a history in this area. And, uh, yeah, it's it's uncertain times right now for Jordan Hicks. My guess, though, even if it isn't a super serious situation, which fingers crossed that it's not for the Cardinals flamethrowing right-hander, I think he's going to go on the injured list regardless unless the Cardinals have another player they can put on that list. And it would have to be a pitcher because they've already done uh, the Austin Dean going to Memphis in exchange for Wainwright coming off the COVID IL. So now they're down to just 12 position players. You're not going to go with a bench any shorter than that, I wouldn't think. And so I would think if, if, if anything, it's going to have to be a pitcher that would go on the IL to bring Oviedo back. And you can't just bring Oviedo back for a regular old option because it hasn't been 10 days since they optioned him out. And so this Hicks situation has kind of put a little bit of a bind into the Cardinals' plans. But I figure even if it's not a super serious situation for Jordan Hicks, he's probably going to hit the IL on Tuesday, give him a little bit of time to rest back up. 
before he makes his return to the team. And hopefully that's all it is, uh, a procedural way to make room for Oviedo, give Hicks a couple of weeks, and he can maybe return after that. We'll have to wait and see, though, what the word is from the Cardinals when we get a chance to talk to Mike Schild again on Tuesday. That's going to wrap things up, though, for this edition of B-Shape Daily. I appreciate, as always, you guys for listening and sticking with the show as we roll throughout this Cardinals season. If you haven't been a regular listener and you're relatively new to the show, I would love for you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do so at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any of the major hubs for audio podcasts. You're going to find us there. And give me a follow over on Twitter at bshafer12 as well. Once again, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on B-Shape Daily.